All right, everybody, four o'clock. Um, welcome to the Building Business Room, a live recorded podcast with Sam Silverstein. I'm so happy and excited to have Sam here today. Uh, David, if you can uh, refresh the screen. Everybody, uh, Carrie, Ellie, Ashley, please refresh the screen. Hit the plus button. Invite some people here that may want to hear about accountability. That would be terrific. Reminder, uh, we're going to ask some questions. We're going to have a conversation with Sam. Um, but everybody is welcome. Raise your hand. Jump on stage. Um, ask questions. Jump into the conversation. But when you do, remember this is recorded and will be released later at a minimum on uh, the Martinis with Scott channel on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Sam may want to take the content and release it on his platforms. Uh, David may do that as well. Um, I don't know. So it, you're going to be on other platforms. So by raising your hand, uh, by raising your hand and jumping in, uh, please please acknowledge that that's the case. Hi, Anna. Thank you for joining us. And before we get going, um, David, I'm going to make you a moderator as well in case something goes wrong with my... Uh, who's coming up with speaker? Eli, here we go. Or Ellie, I suppose, is a, is better. Hey, Ellie. Um, if you, there we go. Yes, it's Ellie. Hi. Hi, Ellie. I'm going to put you on mute for a minute while we uh, get organized here, if that's okay. There we go. All right, let's get going. Uh, Sam, welcome to the room. I mean, you're always here anyways, but it's great to have you as the official guest. Uh, Sam Silverstein is a professional speaker, author, business advisor. No more excuses. Accountability, organizational culture. Sam is uh, the CEO of Sam Silverstein Enterprises, Inc., an accountability think tank dedicated to helping companies create an organizational culture that prioritizes and inspires accountability. Based on helping organizations develop what they believe in, clarify their mission, and understand what is in their control, Sam works to make this a more accountable world. Sam is the author of several books, including No More Excuses, Non-Negotiable, Making Accountable Decisions, and I might also add he is the author of I Am Accountable, of which I bought the audio version, and I've been listening to it all week, getting my mind around this topic, and it's been, uh, been a fascinating listen. Sam speaks internationally, having worked with teams of companies, governments, agencies, communities, organizations, big and small, including Kraft Foods, uh, Pfizer, United States Air Force, and United Way. Sam is the past president of the National Speakers Association. Welcome, Sam. What did I miss in your bio? Well, and that was just on Monday and Tuesday, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you covered it. Oh, my goodness. You make it sound like I've, um, like, I don't know, it sounds pretty good. I like that. I'll have to thank my publicist. Well, that's from your that's from your LinkedIn. You know, I uh, your website is samsilverstein.com, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct. And there's a bunch more on there, which wasn't uh, quick and easy for me to synthesize. But um, how many books have you written? Um, I've written, ooh, I don't know, 12 books. 12 books, I think, is the number right now. And, um, and counting. I don't, I don't know that I see the end in sight. <laughs> well, you're good at it. I'm, I'm enjoying the one that I'm uh, listening to. I think I'm up to uh, 
Uh, safe space. So that's number seven on your list, which means I've got uh, eight, nine, and ten to listen to still. Um, yeah. Let's. Uh, by the way, I should let people know that Sam Sam is my clubhouse friend. We actually met on Clubhouse, and there's a couple of things that I know about you. Not very much. Well, I mean, we've got to know each other over, I would say, two months or so. Uh, but one is all these books that you've written that, I guess, pre-COVID, I would think, you were uh, actively speaking. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. It was, it was easy to be out there and, and doing that. So it was all about writing and speaking. Right. And, and I've seen uh, pictures of you somewhere on LinkedIn in your home podcast studio, which looks like a spaceship. So when you when you take this, it's so much so that I took pictures and I sent it to David and Rob. And uh, <laughs> so when you take things seriously, I guess you take them seriously. Is my point? Yeah, I tend to, I tend to go all in, and uh, you know, I, I subscribe to the theory that our strength is also our weakness. So yeah, it's hard for me just to do something sometimes a little bit. I want to do it a lot. And sometimes that can be good, and sometimes that can be a distraction, right? Yeah, exactly. Sam, before we dive into what is accountability and, and the message that you provide to people and to companies, let's talk about your story a little bit. I could be wrong on this, Sam, but I recall when we first started chatting a couple of months ago, you had said something, or, or maybe I made this up, but I, I feel like you said something that you were you were doing okay in business, maybe you're struggling a little bit, and then you sort of thought about it and you came across this accountability, the, the way that you defined it and what it means to you, and it changed everything. Have I got that right, or could you walk us through that story? Like, What was the aha moment for you, and what was the what was the impact of that? You know, I, well, back that up just ever so slightly. I owned a window and door manufacturing business. I was partners uh, with with my brother-in-law and my father-in-law and um and we you know we had our ups and downs but we did okay and um i wrote my first book started speaking and decided that's really where i wanted to move and about that time somebody came in and decided they wanted the business more than we did which was great and so sold the company and started speaking and for the first i don't know maybe 10 years I was just all over the place. And so I, because my background was in business, because I knew marketing and I knew sales and, and I had a passion for personal development and, and I, I could just, I could talk about anything practically that, that connected to a business and, and offer value, but nobody knew what I talked about because I was all over the place. And so that's when I really had that moment where I had to step back and say, okay, what do I really care about? What am I passionate about? What's at the core of all this? And for me, it came down to accountability. I came to the realization that that drove everything. It drove everything in my life and had the potential to drive everything in a successful enterprise. And it was at that point that I put the blinders on and I stopped looking at anything else and I started looking at everything through the lens of accountability. Um, that was the beginning of that journey. And that turned things around because it enabled me to develop 
a level of understanding and expertise I would have never, I would have never discovered if I hadn't focused on that one specific area. Why? Can you dig into that a little bit? Well, what happened was once once I started once I started looking at what accountability was and what it meant to me and what it could mean to others. And I, I, that's, it was about that time I wrote no more excuses. That book went out. It was successful. It was published by Wiley. Um, and, and then I live in St. Louis, Missouri. Some woman in Amarillo walks into her mentor's office who happens to, at that point, own a chain of about 164 bookstores and ask him a question that she'd never asked her mentor before, which is, what book are you reading? And he says, well, actually, the executive team is reading No More Excuses, and we're doing a study on that right now. And he says, let me get you a copy. And he gets her a copy, and two weeks later, she calls me. And 10 weeks later, she's engaged me to speak there. But not only that... She's put together an accountability roundtable for me, and I'm meeting the president of a bank, and I end up writing a book about this bank. Now, all this is just, none of this happens unless unless you're really focused on, on one specific area, all these, all these odd things that, you know, maybe don't make sense, but started to make sense to me. And now I've got my filters on, and I actually hire this lady to come work for me, and for the next five years uh, we spend four hours every day doing nothing but talking about researching case study accountability and with that type of focus on one thing man you gotta you gotta gain understanding that you wouldn't have had otherwise hopefully you get halfway decent at it and it was the ability to eliminate everything else from my view and just stay focused on that that allowed me to develop content, um, connect with business leaders and government leaders, make a difference for them, and then, as you know, then things snowball. You build upon yeah. your successes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I started the Martinis with Scott maybe two years ago now, and the first thing I realized, Sam, is I'm the, I'm the least reflective person on the same self-reflective person on the face of the earth. You know, I've been laughing with Dave about this. I'll get him to jump in, but I mean, the the, the journey in understanding yourself. I, I I bet you you went through that. Just understanding yourself and how to communicate what you want to communicate. It's it's hard. It's long and it's hard. It is, and and for one thing. I had, to, I had to get to the understanding that accountability wasn't a, a way of doing. It wasn't about getting stuff done. It was a way of thinking. Specifically, it's how you think about people. And now, if it's, if it's a way of thinking about people, then I had to go deep. And first of all, what did I think about myself? What do I believe? What are my values? What do I believe about the people around me? As, as is displayed and proven by my actions and how I speak to them and how I treat them and and there was just a whole lot of journey there that, that came about that I feel like will hopefully hopefully made me a better person and position me to help other people be the best that they can possibly be. Yeah. David, do you want to jump in on this segment? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I find, what I find interesting about your reflecting on this, Sam, is 
it, it's not it's not just that you look at accountability and I like the word that you use that you look at it through a lens which means you look through a lens of accountability at everything you look at integrity you look at truth through accountability you look at empathy through accountability you look at relationships between professionals in a business through a lens of accountability and and so it's it's not so much that it's only the topic of accountability it's about setting your perspective in one particular corner of the room and measuring um, the effectiveness of behavior based on that criteria and so you know to me it's useful because as, as you said before you were all over the place before that so I'm really curious how sort of you know the accountability measure for you and, and, and teaching accountability has, is not a one-trick pony, so to speak, but rather a Swiss Army knife for dealing with the uh, issues faced by businesses and people every day. Oh, David, that's a great question. And it's, it's interesting because for a long time, I struggled with the question, why accountability? I mean, that's really what you're asking. Why is accountability so important what's going to be the outflow from that and so here's what we've discovered that in an organization that creates a workplace culture an environment that prioritizes accountability what happens is you have better leadership and what we've discussed is that is that there's better communication among the people and when there's better communication, which is siloed communication is the number one problem we discovered that most businesses had through our surveys. But when you have better communication, guess what? You have better teamwork. When you have better communication and you're having better relationships, because we know relationships based on communication, when relationships improved, guess what else improved? Customer service. The customer experience improved because you can never give a better experience to a customer than you receive yourself internally in an organization. And so organizations that mac maximize and mastered relationship internally naturally cared for their customers better. Um, in this sort of environment, people were more open to change uh, because they because it was a safe environment, not physically safe, which is important, but emotionally safe, biases eliminated. When there is true accountability, then People feel more readily willing to share their ideas. And so we saw increases in creativity and innovation. We see that these organizations are at the top of attraction and retention of the best people in their fields, that the employee engagement goes up. If engagement goes up, productivity goes up. If productivity goes up, profitability goes up, which means that accountability is showing up on the bottom line. So, the answer to your real question is is that organizations that create a workplace culture that prioritize accountability, that make it happen, they end up with better leadership, better communication, better teamwork, better customer experience, more open to change, willing to be creative in innovation, um, a more safe environment physically and emotionally. They attract the best. They retain the best, which if you attract the best and retain the best, you're going to be tough to compete against. Your people are highly engaged. You're highly productive. You're making more money. I mean, what's wrong with that picture? So I'll, I'll, I'll dig in a little because that's a lot. Uh, one, it's like 
12 items and you've got it committed to memory, which is marvelous, to sh show us what a leader who, who creates a culture of accountability, what he looks like and what his immediate team looks like. So that if we walked into a business and we stayed there for two hours as a fly on the wall and we were allowed to just listen, what we, we what would be what would we hear in a business that had met your standards of, of implementing accountability at the leadership level in the boardroom and in the executive suite? Okay, great question. You'd come off the elevator um, on the floor where most all the leaders are, as well as other departments on that floor, and you'd stop in that moment and you would you would you would sense something. And what you would sense is, wow, this is an amazingly peaceful, calm place. But yet, year after year, they're killing it on the bottom line. This is such a high-performance organization, but yet I immediately notice how relaxed it is. Why is it that way? And the reason that is is because people are allowed to be themselves. People are allowed to be their best self. And so... What happens is you see a leader that is committed to the people, not to the things. A leader that knows what they believe and what they believe, their values are based around people. Values are based around people, policies based around things. And you would see an environment where people, you know, they, there's an old movie called Dave. And um, the president has a... Uh, I don't know, he, he has a stroke and, and they get an actor to fill in for the president and, and the actor kind of joke and, and just asks one of the Secret Service, would you take a bullet for me? And the guy's like, no way. But at the end of the movie, this guy, this actor comes around and he's just, he realizes that he's got to make it about the people and he serves the people and he takes care of people. And at the end of the movie, when, when he's leaving um, that situation, a Secret Service agent says, I'd take a bullet for you. Well, in an organization where the leader is all about the people, making sure the people succeed, making sure the people thrive, making sure that nothing would ever happen that would hurt the people, well, then those people feel the same way about that leader. They'd rather die than let that leader down. And when you create that kind of environment, then there's nothing you can't accomplish. So what happens is these people are working together. They're not competing with each other. They're on the same team. And so they, they make things happen. They make things happen. And nothing gets them down. And this I, I've seen this over and over again. It, it, it just, it's amazing. Yeah, I've seen that too, Sam. Um, Anna and um, Ellie, if you want to jump in on this segment before I move to the next segment, just unmute yourself. Yes, hi everyone. Sam, I have a question actually just to, to add to what you just mentioned. Um, do you, from your from your experience, have you seen companies where you have that first great impression, but yet when you start digging in and working more with a company, whether it was the leadership of the company, then you start seeing flaws and you see that maybe it was just a shiny picture in front of you, or usually it's a relatively accurate judgment when you have that feeling and you sense that uh, relaxed environment in a corporation? I, uh, uh, 
You got me thinking on that. I, I don't know that I've seen <laughs> many that they look really great and then they aren't great. Now, obviously, there's there's all different shades of red. You know, there's all different shades of blue and there's all different shades of of great, good, great. Some are a little better. Some could be better. Some need some help. Some need some pointers. But I think when leadership gets that it's about the people and realizes if they support the people, the people will take care of the bottom line. I think it's a fundamental concept that if that's in place, then it's in place. Um, so no one's perfect. And, and look, the last thing I want to do is paint a picture of uh, – of, of, you know, just some unrealistic scenario. And even even the bank that I wrote non-negotiable about, Happy State Bank, they, they rank the highest on our, we have a, a workplace cultural assessment that measures accountability. They were off the charts on that thing, but they weren't perfect. They're, you know, they make mistakes. Um, we're all human beings. And uh, I, th- I think the question is, is that something that someone did on purpose or is it really a mistake and they work to fix it and fix it fast regardless of the cost? Um, I think in that scenario, then you can have an amazing place, an amazing culture. doesn't have to be perfect, but I think it can be really, really good. Yeah. Thank you. I just The reason why I came up with that question, because uh, accountability is an interesting quality and you spend so much time learning about it and obviously teaching people about it i'm just curious to know if is it easy to mimic it or if it's there it's there that was my way of thinking yeah so let's let's unpack that just a little bit uh, one of the things that i've discovered discovered is the organizations that need me the most won't hire me um the leaders that need it the most won't won't bring me or, or, or someone from my organization in. And, and that's because they don't know what they don't know. They've been taught a way of operating. They've grown up with a certain mentality, and that's what they're going to operate from. And the ones that get it, for the most part, are already doing so much right, but they, they're the ones that always want to get better. And the ones that value people are the, are the ones that value people. And they want to know how they can continue doing that. And what? And so what are they facing? Well, they're facing the challenge of, of going from 200 people to 350. Or as one of our clients went from 8,000 employees to 17,000. They, they, they had 8,000 employees. They acquired a company with 8,500 people. And, and the, the workplace culture in the 8,500 was, was very poor. <laughs> And so you can imagine the impact that had on that organization. But the leader's committed. The leader's all in about his people. And so he is constantly working on making it better. So I think, Anna, to, you, to your credit and to the question is, yeah, there are organizations that get it, get it, but, that, but they still many times need help in sustaining it and replicating it as they face normal challenges that they face in business um, that usually come with with growth and expansion. Thank you, Sam. Absolutely.
Okay, just a quick reset. This is the Building Business Room, and we're doing a live, a live recorded podcast with uh, Sam Silverstein, um, uh, who's a speaker, author, uh, guru on accountability. Uh, feel free to raise your hand if you want to come up and ask questions of Sam. Uh, Ellie, I hope I'm pronouncing your name properly. Uh, feel free to unmute if you want to throw something out. And everybody, please refresh your screen. Hit the plus button and invite uh, invite some uh, followers or those that you're following to come and join us in the room. Uh, Sam, when I first started listening to you and your content, being pedantic like I am, I uh, got hung up on the definition of accountability. I was thinking, well, accountable to who? Accountable for what? Am I holding other people accountable? Am I persuading them to be accountable? Am I holding myself accountable? What is this all about? And and now I'm listening to I Am Accountable, uh, one of your books. And within that book are 10 commitments, which is basically uh, like a value statement. If I could put it that way, you correct me. But for example, commit to the truth, commit to embrace faults and failures, uh, commit to sound financial principles, things like that. Am, am I? Is it fair to say that the idea of commitment is to is it preconditioned by a value statement or a list of values, and then? And then you're holding yourself and your team accountable to those values. Is that the right way to think about this? Not exactly. So let's zero in on that. You're close. Accountability is keeping your commitments to people. You're responsible for things, but you're accountable to people. So you're responsible to get the report done. You're responsible to... to, I publish the link to the podcast. You know, you're responsible to um, show up at 8 o'clock for that martini that we talked about. Now, that one, I'm sure you're going to show up probably 10 minutes early, but that's a separate issue. Um, And so you're responsible for things. You're accountable to people. Accountability lies between people. Um, Accountability is keeping your commitments to people. There's two types of commitments as we look at it. Tactical commitments and relational commitments. The tactical commitments are transactional. Um, They're all about things, times, places. They're spoken. You know, we agreed on it. You know, you, you said you invited me to be in this room today to have this interview. We agreed on the time. We, we agreed on the topic. Um, Relational commitments are between people and relational commitments as well. But they don't have to be spoken and many times they're not spoken tactical commitments go towards productivity great we got to have productivity nothing wrong with that relational commitments build accountability productivity does not create accountability but accountability in a culture will create more productivity You need both tactical and relational commitments if you want to be the best that you can possibly be. So what is a relational commitment? A relational commitment is a commitment that when you make and keep it, whether it's spoken or not, you're contributing to that relationship. You're building that relationship. And that individual or individuals or team knows that you care about them. 
And when you build a relationship with someone that knows you care about them, they naturally care back. And so I always say that nobody likes to be held accountable because that's like putting a gun to their head. Accountability starts with leadership. You're accountable to and for your people. You're responsible for your job. You're not accountable to get that report done. That's your responsibility. And doggone it, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, I don't know why leadership would even let you stay around. And so one of the commitments is a commitment to the values. And that's where the values come in. It's a, it's having a set of values and that you're committed right. as a leader to the values. So, and only when you're committed to the values do you have the right to ask your people to be committed to those same values. Right, and so having a set of values is a precondition to all of this. Absolutely. Knowing, yes, knowing what your values are, understanding your unique purpose, either individually or organizationally, and then which is inward-facing, and then putting that into a mission, which is outward-facing, and everyone is attached to the mission. And then you live that mission through those through those values. And as right. a leader, you make and keep these these commitments, like a safe a commitment to a safe place to work, emotionally safe. So Sam, a commitment to your word is your bond. A commitment to a good reputation. These sorts of things. When you're committed to that, then your people will be committed to that. Right. So Sam, uh, I work with troubled companies, as you know, and you walk in consulting to companies. And David, you can pick up on this when I'm when I'm done with the question, if you want. But you know, so often I walk into troubled businesses, Sam, and and they've written their values on the wall or on a nice plaque that they paid for, and it's just a bunch of words that no one pays any attention to. I'm certain that they all sat around for a day and thought about it 20 years ago when they first did it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that all the time? And what do you do about it? And how do you? Do the values even matter? Like, is, is the important part that you have values and then commit to them um, and you're accountable to them or to the people with respect to those values? Or, or do the values have to be right as well? Because I do note in your book, you went out of your way to provide the 10 values for people, not for organizations. Well, I provided the 10 commitments, but I didn't provide the values. Every yes. organization yes. has their own unique set of values. Every individual has his or her own unique set of values. Um, so yes, you're absolutely right. They're great at putting them up on the wall. We've seen them on the bathroom wall. Um, I've seen them in the in the uh, entry to the theater and gone into the theater to make a corporate presentation. And the values are out on the wall out there and inside the theater. Nobody knows what they are. I've uh, Worked with a petrochemical company just outside of, of Houston, 2,400 employees. They told me that they're, they have a high engagement in their company, but they also said that like 95% of their employees would not recommend working there to their family or friends, so they don't have high engagement. They don't have an, engage, an engaged workforce. Um I worked with the 24 leaders of that organization, and I don't usually put people on the spot like this, but I did. I said, just out of curiosity, what are your values? Nobody in the room budges. Not a person. Now, they only had four values, and I knew what they were because I was on their website. I said, what are your values? And then the president 
is, is sitting there. He goes, somebody, just, just toss out one. Silence. Crickets. Anyone. Just any of you. Just, just toss out one. Silence. Crickets. And then he gets down on his knee. I kid you not, Scott. He gets down on his knee and he says, please, anyone, share one of our values. Nobody could share a value. Why? They weren't their values. They were exactly. just words words on a piece of paper that someone put there because they, they did a business exercise to substantiate a, a check that they wrote a consultant or because they went to business school and it said you need a, a mission statement, a vision statement, and a value statement. But values, somebody once asked me, are values their target or are values where you're, you're at? If, if you can't show me where something is, sh is showing up in your life or your business, it's not a value. If, if you, you know, if you say integrity is a value, okay, great. Where is it showing up? Give me examples. If it's not showing up, it's, you can't tell me it's a value. It's a wish or a dream. Now, that's okay, but don't, don't put on your wall. Don't put on your website. Don't put it in your marketing that integrity is a value or that you value your customers and then drag them out by their hair when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing inside your airplane or wherever else you're conducting business. Because if you tell me it's your value and you're not living it, you're a liar. Nobody wants to do business with a liar. Yeah, exactly. David, you want to jump in on that? Oh, there is so much to unpack, uh, Sam, and what you're saying, uh, you know, it, in in some ways, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to medicate after this call, because, <laughs> because it, you know, the number of times I've sat in in companies in, in businesses I've been involved in, and in my, even in my own law firm, and heard people espouse, you know, what our core values are, and and we, you go through this process of building them, you go through exercises, you develop them, you put them up on the screen, and the minute they're put up. Uh, they're lost. Where and, and and you know, I guess I guess my question to you is, you know, traditionally people have always viewed accountability as as like you measure somebody's performance and they're accountable for their work effort effort relative to what they're being compensated. But that's not the accountability you're talking about. You're 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 talking about something much deeper, which is is um, leaders to start leaders living what they say. You can't say one thing to people and behave a different way. You can't say one thing to people and and then have a key employee who happens to be a high performer getting special dispensation to behave a different way. If it is respect in the worst workplace for all people with no bullying, then it's respect in the workplace for all people with no bullying, no matter who you are in the organization from the top to bottom. And if it's not lived, it's not learned. And if it's not learned, it's not respected. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. But it just seems to me, David, that such a large percentage of supposed leaders, and I say supposed leaders because they might be leader by title, but I don't know that they're leader by by how by what the actions are that they take. Um, they're afraid. 
They're afraid to live a set of values. They're afraid to take a stand. They're afraid to speak up. I I was talking to a group of 50 leaders in Dallas, Texas, and I said, so what happens when your number one salesperson disrespects someone on the sales team, one of the support staff? And the, the CEO, right up front, just to the right of center, I'll never forget, he says, I move him to a corner office where he doesn't have to see or interface with as many people. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah. So now as soon as you do that, you just told everyone in your company, if if you can produce, you can act any way you want. Now, what kind of culture is going to be produced from that? How are people going to act towards each other? And so you just create an environment where people don't have to talk nice to each other. They don't have to communicate. They don't have to work together. All they have to do is show up get their job done, and pick up their check. And you know what? That organization can still be profitable, but no one's going to enjoy working there. You're not going to attract the best people. You're not going to retain the best people. And you're not going to maximize your bottom line. And you're not going to have fun. And as a leader, the impact and influence that you have and the legacy that you create is going to – is is, it's going to be just a shadow of what it could have been. So, so Sam, what do you do in an organization where, let's just say you're a leader and you have identified four or five really stellar performers who are totally buying into and following what you would describe as your accountability model. And then there's another group of people who just don't have that same level of commitment because the isn't the biggest challenge getting the, the commitment level to that accountability to be uh, endemic in the organization, like an infection that goes right through it? And that's got to drink that, the Kool Aid, right? And 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 I I I have struggled in always seeing in, in in businesses that were turning around groups of the disaffected and tried to understand how they got disaffected. And how can you bring them inside the circle? And and the struggle is, is if they've gone along for a long time in a group that's been ignored, how do you break down that wall and change that when people have a pattern and a history? You know, almost like, you know, they've been sitting in the cubicle too long and they've, and, and you know, they, they not only won't, they won't drink the Kool-Aid, they don't even raise their head above the edge of the, of the, of, of the cubicle because they're afraid of what might happen. So what's happened is the leader has a lot. I I always say the leader gets the culture they deserve. The leader gets the culture they deserve. And so if your kid throws tincture tantrums all the time in the grocery store, there's probably a reason for that. And that reason is probably that it's worked in the past, so it continues to work. And it's the same thing in a business. So... First of all, you can't give what you don't have. And the question becomes, and you can't affect transformation in an organization unless you as a leader are willing to transform first. So there's really a lot that's required in that situation. Um, I'll give you an example of a smaller organization, but let me tell you, it's the same thing in a large organization. It just takes, it just takes more time. It takes more energy, but the results will be the same. Guy came up 
to my assistant after a program that I did, and he said, we don't have any values in our organization. Can you help us create them? And it was kind of pitiful sounding. We don't have any values. It sounded like, you know, they were just outlaws. Um, and we said, sure, we can. And this, this organization had 24 people in it, small organization. But the size doesn't matter, I promise you. Um, well, we went in and we worked with them. And, and it turns out they did have values. They did have, they did believe some amazing things. They just didn't identify it and codify it. They didn't create something that, that, that was working for them. And so we helped them do that. And then we helped them step this out and establish it in the organization over the next several months. And so what happened in that organization is within 60 days, two people quit. They quit. Why? They couldn't live by the values um, for whatever reason. And two people, they let go. Why? Because they weren't living the values. Because we said, once you put this in writing, once you have this and you say you're going to live this, I said, no matter what you do, you have to live it. As soon as you back down from it, the engagement's over. We're done. And so they they lost a couple of people. They they let a couple of people go. They started hiring to the values. The people that came in came to them because those were the values that were being lived there. So all of a sudden, they're attracting a different type of individual. Um, uh, people were going home, taking the values home, and impacting their families. The, their spouses were taking those values to their place of business. Uh, spouses were saying, uh, women were saying, you know, my husband is is a better husband for having worked here. One woman um, had a tumor, a malignant tumor found on her spine, and she had to go to Rochester to the Mayo Clinic to get treatment, and she couldn't afford to be off. And so the employees got together and went to the president and said, um, we want to change the policy manual that allows us to gift our PTO, our personal time off, and they did that. So now they're giving their personal time off to her so she can go get her cancer treatment and and still get paid. What What happens to those relationships? What happens to helping each other be better, get more done? I mean... And, and literally nine months later, the president of this organization was the president of a state-level association. He invited me in to speak to the organization. And when he introduced me during the introduction, I was very humbled. He said, in the last nine months, they measure what they do by activity. He says, our activity has tripled. Our activity has tripled um, since working with me on this. And so, yeah, you have to confront the situation yes if people can't live the culture that you've defined through your values let them go elsewhere yes you're going to have to work a little harder short term but long term you're going to build an organization that's going to be stronger that's going to attract better people and that good people won't want to leave and you just have to have the faith and believe that that's what's going to happen and stick with it because that's what will happen Amazing. Thank you for that, Sam. Uh, Carrie, thank you for jumping on stage with us. Um, if you choose to talk here, just a reminder that this is a recorded show and it will be released later. So if you're not comfortable with that, just don't talk.
apart from that, do you have a question for Sam? Okay, let's do Carrie, and then we'll come back to uh, Ellie. Carrie, did you have something? Just some curiosity. Um, I listened to Sam a few days ago about the same subject, and haven't read it yet. I'm really kind of curious. I, I don't really even expect you to have the answers, but I'm thinking about all everything you're sharing and realizing. Okay, we have a a, a human culture in this in the United States that falling down to its knees. You know, we have a lot of people screaming and yelling at each other and demonstrating and killing each other. And we now have a place where opinions are, are a whole lot more valuable than facts. And we have a false media and we have cancel culture and professors that teach their opinions instead of values. And I don't want to get into politics. That's the last thing I want to do. That's not my subject. Um, but have any idea how do you turn that around? Is it just one by one? Well, Carrie, here's the thing. You're dealing with, what, 350 million people? Um, yep. I, I'm going to tell you the same thing that I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell Scott, CEO of a business. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. If there's a problem in the organization, there's a problem with leadership. It's always that way. Well, why is it that way? Well, because... Leadership allowed that problem to fester, to, to hang around, to stay there. And so, you know, in, in, but government is not the same as business. Somebody comes in and says, you know what, I'm, I'm good at business. I'm going to run this country like a, a good business. It doesn't work that way. Government isn't business. It's government. It's governing people. And so the relationships are different. But I'm still going to go back to everything rises and falls on leadership. So what are the values that are actually lived by leadership? How, how, how does leadership show that they really care about all the people? How is that being played out? And, you know, from the political standpoint, I know we don't want to get into political, the politics, but, the challenge we have is we, while we live, I would like to think we live in the greatest country in the world here in the United States, and the government is is the is is the best. The democracy is the best way to do it. It seems like that on either side, that everyone's to the extreme, and no one's willing to work together. And I don't know about you, but. You know, I've been married 39 years. I'll be married 40 years this summer. I, you know, I don't think I would still be married if I ever put my foot down and say it's my way or the highway. Um, I, you know, I respect my wife's opinion. I, I do things the way she wants to do it many times just because that's the way she wants to do it. And so it's a big challenge, but... I think that a lot of a big chunk of society is hiding behind this. We don't have values anymore, and I don't buy that. I think there's a lot of values. I just think there's a lot of people out there that don't value people, that don't value diversity of opinion, that don't value diversity of thought, that don't value diversity of appearance. 
And I think that's undermining it. But leadership's got to lead the way. Leadership's got to push through that. And we haven't seen a lot of that. So, you know, here's hoping that the future brings a little bit more than what the past few years have brought. Thank you, Sam. Uh, in our last uh, sort of 10 minutes here, and Anna, we'll open this up for you to jump in on this topic as well, if you like. Um, Sam, when I walk into troubled businesses, it's it's 100% of the time, or close to it, uh, a failing of leadership. And there's been many times where I've walked in, you know, and you go to the very first meeting, and you go to the boardroom, and the entire senior management team is there, maybe in multiple countries on a big Zoom screen or uh, whatever it was back in the day. And you would have an itemized list of to-dos. You know, there'd be 800 line items on an Excel spreadsheet of, you know, move this machine over here and clean up this area and do this, do that. And the entire management team goes through every item. It's got its, its uh, the task is allocated to somebody. It's color-coded. It's, you know, got a status report and some comments. And you spend like three hours, hours out of your day going through this thing and explaining why you didn't do it yesterday like you said you would. And then when you're done that meeting, you all go back to your respective corners and figure out what you're going to have for your excuse tomorrow for not having done that. And I, I just, I roll my eyes and I walk out of the room. That's my first reaction to that. And I have my ways of dealing with it. Um, and, and I know this sounds like an exaggeration, but I can't, I can't express to you how often I've seen that. Like, it's just a common symptom. And, and I think what it is is well-meaning, educated leaders who are just lost. They're just lost. And I wanted to throw that open for you because I think that your system would fix that sort of problem as well. How would you go about helping that, that leadership team? team has to buy into a few things one they have to buy into they have to buy into a set of values a great set of values a great set of values by the way must connect to all four areas of the following there must be foundational values that speak to the character of the organization relational values that define the both the internal and external relationships professional values that define what excellence is here and community values that stipulate how you connect with and, and participate in the community that you're deriving your income and growth and livelihood from. Um, not only do they have to commit to a set of values, they have to, uh, and in that the values are about people. They're not policies, they're values. They have to commit to developing people, to growing people. And, and then they have to commit to these, to these 10 relational commitments, one of which is my word is my bond. You know, it's like if you hire me and then, you know, on Friday, I expect to get a check. Well, if you tell me I'm going to get reviewed in three months, I expect to get reviewed in three months. Now, I hate annual reviews. I mean, I, I totally abhor annual reviews. I think there's a much better way. But doggone it, do you know how many times I've heard about people that said, yeah, they told me three months, five months, six months after I came in, they'd give me a review, and then that's when I would get my first raise, and it didn't happen. Now, so, so right away, leadership's not keeping their word. Why do I need to keep my word? Um, yeah. And, and I guess what I'm getting at with this, Sam, is, is to me, 
I don't think you can use that expression, hold people accountable. I don't think you can force them relentlessly, like they're a two-year-old, to do this and not that. You need to persuade them through your own actions and through your HR system, potentially, to, to behave and, and to be accountable to the values that you set. Does that make any sense well, to you? Yeah, totally. Now, here's the thing. You just bought a company that's got 1,500 employees. My guess is it's going to be difficult to stay operational if you fire 700 of them on day one. And so it's not like you can go in and just clean house. I get that. But what has to happen is you create this set of values and you set the standard down and you let people know this is what we're going to live by. If you can't live this, these are the house rules. That's what values are. You, you, your unique purpose is your why. Your mission is your what. Your values are your how. This is how we do it. We do it with integrity. We do it through excellence. We do it through um, charitable contributions in the community. We do it through respecting people. You define those values. I've never seen a group of people come up with, with lousy values. I've never seen someone right. come up with a value of disrespect or we're not only going to work 60%. It just doesn't happen. People want to work hard. They want to perform. But doggone it, if someone's not living the values let them go. As long as, as long as, once you've created those values, that those values are being modeled, they're being taught, and then if someone's not living it, they are coached for a short period of time, and then let them go. Hire slow, fire fast, and get rid of those people. And when I see that you're not letting people stay that aren't living the values, I kind of catch on. If I want to stay here, I have to live these values with respect to character, relationship, excellence, and community. And I think if you're living all four of those values to a high level, not just, you know, there could be eight values that define that, but if you're those four areas, we're living to a high level, we're probably going to be pretty successful. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Anna, do you have anything you want to jump in here in the last two minutes? No. Oh, there we are. No, I guess no, no, no. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, Sam. It was great. That's, I just wanted to yeah, say it was a very knowledgeable and interesting conversation. Excellent. Uh, David, you. I'm looking at the wrong clock, so we actually have five minutes uh, left if you have another yeah, topic. So I, I, I am interested in, in how you get the, the, the challenge of having an underperformer who doesn't want to be part of the value system. Sometimes people feel like values... Uh, in organizations that become a wave feels cultish. And so, I, I mean, is there a difference between an open value system that is embracing and warm and a value system where if you don't belong, you're outside and you're, 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 you're almost rejected? Because I worry about, and I've seen organizations that have, you know, almost cultish devotion to values. And I, 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 personally, I don't know how I would fit into it, but, but, but in the same breath, is that something that is a, is a fair and legitimate model for, for your accountability, a, a, a more of a, 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 a slavish devotion to the value? Yeah, I want them drinking the freaking Kool-Aid, man. I want them all in. I want them loving the values, living the values, because here's the deal. 
Uh, first of all, give me an example of a value that would be a good value to have that everyone shouldn't buy into um, with reckless abandon. Give me one value, one value that would be a great value to have that everyone shouldn't buy into. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And, and so here's the deal. You go to the mosque, the church, the synagogue, the temple, wherever. And you sit down and you look to your right and your left. And I'm telling you, these people believe different things than you. We all do. But we can connect through the values. And that's what happens in an organization. They connect through those values. And if you have an amazing set of values, not amazing values, an amazing set, then what happens is you create this amazing culture, and that's where this accountability bubbles up. But let me give you—I want to give you an example. You can't just have words. You can't just say um, uh, integrity, respect, uh, uh, perseverance, accountability. First of all, I don't think accountability should ever be one of your values because you can't mandate accountability. Accountability is what naturally happens when you're in an environment where people are living these ten commitments when they're living the values. But we need to define what those values are so people can live them. So at one of my – my book, Non-Negotiable, is about Happy State Bank. I didn't create this. They did. Their value of integrity, which is the most popular value that we see. Integrity, character, our reputation is everything. Do what's right always, every time, anytime, no matter what it costs, no matter who it offends, no matter the perceived consequence, encourage it, reward it, revere it. Make it the banner that we are known for. It is expected. Now, is there any doubt in this organization how to step out integrity, how to live integrity, what it means there? See, there isn't. And so all we have to do is live that, which means okay. if I make a mistake and the mistake um, was a $100 mistake, but it cost me 150 to fix it. I'm going to get a pat on the back. I'm not going to get fired. And I know that. And so now decision-making is pushed down to the very lowest level of the organization chart, which means this organization is going to be more efficient. They're going to be consistent in their decisions because they're connected to the values, and they're going to drive profits. And everyone in the organization is going to want to be there because they all want to live those values. Okay, but it, you know, we don't have a lot of time, and I, but I do want to drill down on one thing. Scott, you and I are all extroverts by all accounts, right? But not everybody is, and not everybody is is comfortable being seen drinking the Kool-Aid and being seen advocating uh, verbally their commitment to the values and standing up and, and being a part of that. How does somebody who is more introverted and more reserved participate in that you know what i would describe that that celebration of 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 the value system and the and integrity i mean they live it every day they do it quietly they do it in their own way and 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 but it could be overlooked or missed because they are by definition an introvert and that's fine and that that can happen in an organization but the leader's got to be willing to step up and open her mouth and say these are our values and, and I just want you to know that yesterday, David faced this challenging situation, and he made this decision. And, and, and that stepped out to a T what we talk about when we talk about um, 
laugh at work or produce damage or integrity or whatever the value is. And so you don't have to be all that vocal, but somebody has to be. And the leadership has to say that these are our values and we're going to live them. They don't have to jump in, up and down. You don't have to lead a Tony Robbins style uh, retreat. But you have to say these are our values and we're going to live them. And, th- we're g- and if you're not going to live them, go work at the competitor. And they and and on top of it, they have to be watching, so that they can see when somebody does something worthy of, or that that is helpful to to point out and celebrate. It's 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 the culture of the leaders have to pay an awful lot of time listening and reflecting on what they're seeing and feeding it back to the organization in a positive way. Exactly, and you <sighs> teach your people what culture is, how important it is, and you teach people at every level how to contribute to the culture, live the culture, promote the culture. And so just talking about the culture becomes part of the culture. Exactly. Sam, we're at the top of the hour. Is there anything that you wanted to uh, wrap up with that we haven't covered? I know that we had a whole list of things to talk about. We got to almost none of them, but... uh, Man, we've gone we've gone in a whole bunch of different areas, and it's been wonderful. Yeah, a couple of things. One, if you want to learn more about about creating your values, just as an individual or as an organization, you can go to samsilverstein.com forward slash values worksheet, and that's a, a free download. And we, my organization, the Accountability Institute, actually certifies accountability advisors to work with organizations. And executive coaches or consultants or even internal people inside of an organization can earn the certification. And if you want more information on that, just send an email to advisor at samsilverstein.com. That's great. And I was going to ask you how they reach you, but you've just given the answer. Um, Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Sam. This has been terrific. This has been our third weekly live recorded podcast. I think we're getting it down better and better. Uh, I see Anna, we lost her. She's been in and out. I'm assuming she's having connection problems. Uh, David, thank you for joining us. And uh, Sam, this has been amazing. Uh, And I think with that, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stop the recording.